Please turn in your Bibles with me today to the book of Hebrews. I'd like to ask you to turn there to chapter number 13. Hebrews chapter number 13. I appreciate your prayers this week for me and my family. appreciate you, those of you who have ministered to us this week. I appreciate it so much. I uh, want to address a few verses here. And, uh, you know, each, each, each Monday morning uh, after a Sunday service, it starts all over again for a pastor as far as what to do the following Sunday. And that's true for him every Sunday, every, every Sunday, every Monday. That's the way it is. He begins to pray and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? And even when he thinks that the Lord wants him to preach through a book or through a series, the Lord has the, well, he's your Lord. And so sometimes he just says, uh, put that on hold. This is what I want you to do. And that's because of your prayers, uh, specifically about something sometimes. But as I got up uh, Monday morning and I was praying, I said, Lord, I, I sure would love to please you this Lord's Day. As I've told you before, don't wait till Saturday night and say, God, please give my pastor something to preach. Don't do that to me. Uh, you go to bed Sunday night and say, Lord, speak to my pastor's heart Monday morning and help him to prepare his heart and the message for us this Lord's Day. You know what we need. And I would appreciate greatly if you would do that. You know, but my prayer each week, each Monday morning is, Lord, what, what would you have me to do? And, and he spoke to my heart, and I'm so glad when he does, then I have to work it out the rest of the week about exactly how, how to prepare that message. But he spoke to my heart, and he said, I want you to talk about Jesus. I mean, he said, really, talk about Jesus. Because you can mention Jesus in a message and still be preaching the Bible. Uh, you can even preach what Jesus taught without actually talking about Jesus. Do you understand that? Okay. And so uh, I just want to uh, talk about Jesus today the best that I can. Uh, when you talk about him, uh, Paul was writing this book to the Hebrews, and I think he got a little agitated with them. When he got over to chapter 5 and he said, I got a whole lot of things to say about Jesus. He said, but I can see you're dull of hearing. When he, want, he said, if you want me to talk about an antichrist, he said, your ears perk up. But if I want to talk about Christ, you seem to get dull about hearing about him. I don't want to be guilty of that. I do not want to be guilty of that. Uh, I remember uh, when I was pastoring in South Louisiana, we had songbooks, of course, but we made up a little extra songbook and, uh, that we put in the pews, and we called it our lanyap. Now, in Louisiana, that means a little extra. You want a little, when you go to a restaurant, you say, I'd like to have some lanyap. That means you want a little extra put on your plate. So we called it our lanyap songbook. And uh, in that songbook, there was a different courses, little songs that you would not find in an average songbook. But there was one in there in particular that I really liked and uh, wish we could learn how to sing that entire song. been having a hard time finding all the words to it. But the name of that song was Let's Talk About Jesus. Let's Talk About Jesus. And uh, it says, Let's talk about Jesus. The King of kings is He. The Lord of lords supreme. Throughout eternity, 
the great I am, the way, the truth, the life, the door. Let's talk about Jesus more and more. And then it just goes right on with a whole bunch of other good stuff about Jesus, talking about him being the lily of the valley and the great I am. And it's just a great song. Maybe we should learn it one day and make our own Lanyap book for East River. But I want to address your attention to this verse this morning in, in, in Hebrews chapter 13. And I want you to look with me in, in particular at verse number 8. Hebrews 13 verse number 8. We'll come back to our text and study this together. And uh, today, and as the Lord leads, uh, we will do our best to finish the message today. It might be tonight when we finish it. We'll do our best to finish it today. Hebrews 13 verse 8. And I know you've read this verse, and I bet you've memorized it. You've probably quoted it to other people. You probably have also asked yourself, you know, what does it really, really mean in a practical sense? The Bible says in verse 8, it says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's an interesting truth that I have found in meditating upon this, a principle that's repeated throughout the scriptures about Jesus and this element of time. Here you have yesterday, that's past. You have today, that's present. And you have forever, that's tomorrow, and the tomorrow, all of tomorrows are forever and ever. And as I begin to look at that, I know the conclusion of that is, is that we hear and we sing the song and say the phrase, He is all I need. And sometimes we'll even say, and we'll, we had a sign on one of our buses that we, that we used to have, the bus we used to have, it said, Christ is the answer. So what does that really mean, though, to somebody maybe who's not familiar with the Bible or religion or God when you tell them Christ is all you need, well, what does that mean? And then when you look at this verse, you see these three elements of time that is the same yesterday, which means that's what you need for your yesterdays, is Jesus and today and tomorrow. Now, I want you to think about this principle that I, as I researched this and I saw this through the scriptures, think about what John said in Revelation chapter 1 verse 4. Listen to this. He said, grace be unto you and peace from him. Talking about Jesus. And he says, number one, which is. Number two, which was. And number three, which is to come. And then in verse number eight, he said, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord. Number one, which is. Number two, which was. And number three, which is to come, the Almighty. Revelation 1.18 says, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive for evermore. And so you see this principle, and even when John was beginning to write the book of Revelation, the Lord told him, he said, I want you to write down the things which thou hast seen. That's past tense, yesterday. And he said, in the things which are. Now, that's today. That's present tense. And he said, in the things which shall be hereafter. That has to do with the future. Now, 
I want you to turn with me to Hebrews 9 so we can get an idea of the principle here that I'm trying to get to and the truth about Jesus and why you need him and why he is all that you need. In Hebrews 9, I want you to notice another principle about this, and it's almost like a trinity. I just mentioned three things there in each of those, like a trinity principle. You know, when, the, when Jesus said the Holy Spirit was coming to the earth, he said there would be three things that he would specifically reprove men about. Sin, that has to do mostly with your yesterdays. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. And one has to do with your past, one has to do with your present. You need righteousness today. And number three, you're going to face judgment. That's tomorrow. That's forever. And so I want you to look in Hebrews 9.27 why it's important that you understand <clears throat> this thing about Jesus being all that you need. Now, look in Hebrews 9.27. What does all this mean or matter to the average everyday person? Maybe some visitor has been recommended to listen to us today, and I hope that you are. I hope that the Lord will speak to your heart. Maybe you're looking for God. I hope you'll find Him through the Word of God today. But I want you to look in Hebrews 9. Look with me in verse number 27. Here's an important fact so that we can appreciate Jesus being the same yesterday, today, and forever. All right? Look in chapter 9, verse 27. This is a very critical fact. All right? It says in verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, after this, the judgment. So if you think that you're just going to live and die like a dog and just go back to the worms, then you are a fool indeed. For the Bible says that you have an appointment with death and then you have an accounting for your life once you get past that point. Now, men don't like to be held accountable. None of us do. None of us like to be called on the carpet for something we may have done last week, two weeks ago, a year ago. We forget about some of the things that we have even said and done. But the Lord is going to hold us accountable. Now, you need to understand this, okay, to appreciate Jesus today. All right, let's look at this thing about, the, uh, about our appointment and our accountability. The writer of Ecclesiastes said this. He said, There is no man that hath power over the Spirit to retain the Spirit. In other words, you're not going to be laying in a hospital one day and you're not going to say to death when it's your day to die, you're not going to say, I rebuke you, I refuse to die. You are not going to be able to have an impact that day. He said, there is no man that hath power over the Spirit. That doesn't matter how rich you are. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter how smart you are. You will not be able to retain the spirit. I think we all understand that death is an appointment. He said, neither hath he power in the day of death. And there is no discharge in that war. Each day we are battling to stay alive. We have to be careful when we pull out on the highway out here after church. We have to look in both directions and wait for about 30 minutes to be able to get out on the road. But you're always watching. Always being careful. Then he said this, 
He said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. That's a choice. Keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing. Whether it be good or whether it be evil. What about the Lord holding us accountable? Okay, again, now I'm speaking to you as if maybe you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ at this point. Maybe you've never been born again. Maybe your yesterdays have not been taken care of. But the scripture says we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth. Remember I I preached to you a few messages about the, the three lives that you live. You have that public life that others know that you're guilty of certain things. I mean, you, it's, it's obvious that you're guilty of some things. People have seen you fall and fail and seen part of your flesh. They would be able to testify against you in a court of law before the Lord that they've seen that sinful nature that you possess. And then there's that personal life, that there are some things that you've done that only your family members know, and only some of them know. That you're guilty of. The public doesn't know anything about it. And family's very good about covering up because love covers a a multitude of transgressions. But then there's also that private life of some things that even your family does not know that you are guilty of. But when you face death and then God raises you up and you stand before the Lord... He says, after this, after death, after this, the judgment. Which means that the Lord is going to raise every man up and there will be an accounting of every word, every thought, and every deed. And the scripture says that sin is the transgression of the law. And even he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And even your conscience will bear witness against you when you know that you've done some things you shouldn't have done. The scripture says that, that all, A-double-L, have sinned and come short. He says there are none righteous. And just in case you didn't get that, he said right after that, no, not one. Not one. So as a result of this, knowing that we have an appointment with death, it is appointed unto men once to die in this lifetime, once to die, but after this the judgment. Sin is a transgression of the law. Did you know that God likes to use the analogy of sin like as a debt? Like a debt. So we can comprehend that. Because we deal with monies all the time and debts and paying debts or somebody owes us. We understand that. And he says that the wages of sin is death. Now, a wage is something that you have what? You've earned it. The wages of sin is death and you've earned the right to die. And you will. But then there will be an accounting. The Bible says every transgression and every act of obedience will receive its just recompense of reward. You say, well... I mean, if I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm going to die, I'm going to go to hell, so what? What difference does it make? I might always get all I can. Well, you just go ahead and live like that. 
Just don't die like that. Because the Lord says that he's going to raise you up and he's going to judge you and every transgression you will receive a just recompense for. Which means that there are some men who have done some very, 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 very wicked, ungodly, serious things that have brought death and misery to multitudes. Like a Hitler. Or like a Hugh Hefner. And the Bible says that their works will follow them. Their works will follow them. God's keeping accounting. Even people who have already died and are in the grave, God's keeping record of some things that they've left behind that are still hurting people. So, as you think about this, now look at where this verse is placed. This verse is placed right in the middle of something Jesus did yesterday, of something Jesus is doing today, and of something Jesus is going to do tomorrow. Right in the middle. That's where this verse is placed. Because knowing these facts, what you need is the Lord Jesus. Now look with me in Hebrews 9. Look at, and I'll show you what I'm talking about. Look in verse 26. Let's talk about yesterday. Let's look at yesterday as dealing with our past. Okay, our past, our sins, and our guilt. Look at verse number 26. It says, For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath. Is that past tense? He appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of who? Of himself. Do I need Jesus to take care of my past? Do I need Jesus to take care of my yesterdays? And what he's saying here is, is that Jesus is the answer for your past. If you're here this morning and you're visiting with us, if you're watching, I need you to understand that, you know, you may not feel as guilty today as you felt the day after you did something. It has a tendency to kind of fade away. But nonetheless, you are still responsible for your actions. There'll be no blame game when you stand before God. Now, there'll be some folks blamed for influencing you, enticing you, abusing you possibly. But you will be responsible for how you responded and your reaction to those things. You know, sin is likened unto a debt. Now, for us, in our past, we owe a debt that we cannot pay. Now, we may have regrets. Let me ask you, those of you that got saved 18 up to 30, 40 years of age or maybe older, do you ever look back upon your past and regret some of the things that you know that you're guilty of? That sometimes you try actually to forget. And you might even have remorse for some of the things that you have done. And you might even say to others that you have reformed. That you have changed. That you're not going to do that anymore. But here's the problem with that if you're not saved. We're always grateful when men make changes in their lives. But what are you going to do with what you have done before you changed. 
And is the fact that you changed going to be enough to get you in to heaven? You see what I'm saying? All right, so let's talk about maybe a little bit about your past. Can you imagine if Chase Bank up here at the end of the highway gave you a debit card and a credit card? It was a combination, and it has a limit on it of $20,000. And so you take that card, and man, you just, in just a week, you max it out. I mean... Amazon Prime is, that, is in your driveway three times a day. You understand what I'm saying, right? I mean, they know you by name. They send you birthday cards. But can you imagine you've maxed it out, $20,000, and you say, oh, man, I have, whew, I have messed up. And the reason you did that is because there were things, the lust of your eyes, the lust of your flesh and the pride of your life said, I have got to have this. I have got to have this to be happy. I don't care who it hurts. I don't care who has to pay for this. I'm going to get this. So you just keep running it up day after day. Then you match out the card. And you say, oh, man, I've messed up. Then you take that card and you go down to the office. They won't let you in right now, but let's just say that you could actually get in and talk to somebody. And you say to them, you see this card? I'm going to cut it up. And I'm sorry for what I have done with this card. I mean, I regret and I remorse. And some of the things that I purchased that I thought, it brought me pleasure for a moment, but, but it was only for a moment. I, I regret that I spent that money on there that I didn't have, and I'm, I'm really sorry. And I, listen, I'm going to give it back to you. I apologize for maxing it out. And uh, we good? Are we good? And they look at you and say, are you stupid? (laughs) Sir, you will pay this. Or we will come after everything that you've got. We will send the law after you. And the law does come after transgressors. It does. And so what you're saying is, yeah, you're sorry. Yeah, you're remorseful. Yeah, you know you made some bad choices. and bad. Some of it you don't even remember doing. Well, I don't remember charging that. Now here, we're not talking about false charges. We're not talking about false accusations. Have you ever had anything falsely charged to your credit card that you didn't do? And people are going to accuse you of things that you're not guilty of. And sometimes there are going to be things charged on your card that you're not responsible for. But God's not like that. As a matter of fact, when I was studying this message, I received an email on my phone oh, a few weeks ago. One of my children had uh, COVID-19. And so we had been around them. And so before I came around you, I, I isolated myself for a while. And then I went and was tested. And they took that little uh, swab. And they put it in my nose all the way down to my big toe. And I, I tested negative, by the way. But what I'm saying is, is that I got a, I got a, now I had called where I could get this done in 24 hours. And I said, how much is it? And they said, $125. I said, okay. They told me to be there at 8.30. They made an appointment for me. Okay. So you don't have to wait in line, they said. So I get there at 8.30. They said, uh, we canceled those uh, appointments and you'll just have to get in line. Three hours later, I got tested. Almost lost my religion. 
But yesterday, uh, it was a Friday when I was meditating and studying on this. Get this email. And it said, uh, sir, uh, this was, this was a Genesis Medical Group. And they said, uh, you owe us $627 for an outpatient visit on July the 2nd. I looked at that, and my blood just started to go, whoop. And I said, what in the world? And so I called them. I left a message. I said, there's got to be a mistake here somewhere because I checked this out before I came up there. I said, this has got to be a charge that you're making that doesn't belong to my account. And people will do that. No response. So I called back, and I said, uh, I said, I think you've made a mistake. I said, I think this is wrong. I said, uh, this is what I did. This is, this is, and I said, by the way, you're not going to get a penny. And I hung up. And I said, please get back with me. No, no response. So I'm sitting there thinking about that while I'm trying to study. Have you ever tried to study while somebody just said that you owe them 600 bucks? It don't work too good. And so I get on the phone again. And so this time I walk away from Cindy so she can't hear everything I'm going to say to him. Okay, so there's no witness. So I go to the back of the house, and I, and I get them on the phone, and I said, now look. I said, uh, I don't owe you $627. I said, this is frustrating me. I said, I need an answer on this. And I said, I think you're running a scam. I said, I think that Montgomery County officials need to know that when people go up there, what you're doing to them, all they're trying to do is get a test of COVID-19, and this is what you're doing to them. And I said, then I think Channel 2 would like to know, and I think Channel 11 would like to know. I hung up the phone, and about 30 seconds later, my phone rang. And they said, sir, listen, we're sorry. That's not, that's not supposed to be charged to your account. We made some mistakes in the computer. So I had to put some pressure on you to respond to drop the charges. And sometimes people are going to accuse you of some things and make you feel guilty of things that you're not. But God is never going to hold you accountable for something that you have never done. Regardless of how you feel, you're not. But you're going to have enough on your credit card before God that it doesn't matter what other people think or say about you because God knows the secrets of your heart. He knows the things that you have done in the past, in private, by yourself, to someone else, and no one knows. At least you think no one knows, but you and God. And sometimes you don't even think of the fact that God knows or cares. But what you're looking at here is, is that here is a situation where that you may have regrets, remorse, and you might desire to be reformed, but it's not going to remove your debt. Do you understand? Your yesterdays. And if you are here and you hear my voice and you, those of you at home, if you're listening to me, I'm telling you, if you have tried to undo your past, you cannot undo it by yourself. You cannot remove the debt that you owe to God. Now, you might ease the pain and you might ease the shame, but you're not going to remove the guilt that you have before the Lord. Now, verse 26 says, that uh, we understand this, that we, we owe a debt we cannot pay. And so the Lord Jesus Christ came down to the earth and paid a debt that he did not owe. 
Wouldn't it be awesome if I had maxed out that $20,000 card? And Brother Doug comes up there and said, Brother Roger, I love you. Listen, I heard you'd maxed out your card, and I just wanted you to know I'm going to make it good. I had to sell one of the kids, but I got the money. <laughs> His wife would be working him over too, right? Amen. He'd be going for counseling. But the scripture says here, I want you to follow along with me now about how important Jesus is about our past, our yesterdays. Now listen. Okay, I need you to appreciate what he's done for you. All right, I need you to look in Hebrews chapter number 2, please, and look in verse number 9. In order to pay your debt, the only way, Brother Craig, for sin to be paid for, it cannot be paid for by the blood of bulls and goats. The book of Hebrews is all about that, right? That all of that was just symbolic of the one to come. And that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Without the, you say, well, that don't sound right. I'm not telling you what may be reasonable to you in your mind. I'm telling you what is required by the hand of God. Sin is a serious thing and offense in the eyes of God. Our, our society makes very light of sin. God does not. And it'll be Him that you answer to. It won't be anybody else when you die. You will die and there will be an accounting and He will hold you accountable for everything that you have done if you have not met Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. You understand that? All right, look in Hebrews chapter 2, look in verse number 9. We're talking about what Jesus, the steps He took to pay your debt. All right, verse 9 says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death. That means that He took on humanity. You understand? Jesus took on humanity. For the suffering of death crowned him with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste what? Death. What are the wages of sin? That's right. So he tasted death for who? For every man. I'm glad it didn't just say the elect. It said for every man. Every man. Now you'll notice something else about this. Look down in verse number 14. Just so that you understand about his humanity. Verse 14 says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, and that is the devil, And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Our Lord Jesus took on humanity, tasted death, and then he paid the sin debt. All right, listen to this passage. The scripture says, Isaiah 53, 6, that all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. What a blessing that is. What a blessing that is. And so what we're looking at here again, let's go back to our 
our passage in Hebrews chapter number 9, if you would please. Hebrews chapter 9, and read this with me please. And I want to show you, you know, I, I think that I need to stop right here. I think I would be doing you a disservice if I went on to the next point about today and about tomorrow. So I'm going to stop right here. But I want you to read with me, and I want to show you what I was talking about, how this passage, verse 27, said, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, after this, the judgment. Do you agree with me? That is an appointment, and that there is an accounting that will take place. All right. But look carefully with me. Let's back up just a moment to show you the the yesterdays, the todays, and the tomorrows about Jesus in this passage. We'll pick back up with it tonight, Lord willing. Look in verse number 24. It says, For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, who are the figures of the true, but unto heaven itself. What's the next word? Now to appear. That's today. In the presence of God for us. That's today. You need Jesus today. You didn't just need him to forgive your sin debt. You need him every single day. We'll talk about that tonight. Verse 25. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as a high priest entered in the holy place every year with blood of others. In other words, they did it every year. It only took one time for Jesus. All right, because he went in with his own blood. Verse 26. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared. That's past. Hath he appeared. Talking about when he came, took on humanity, tasted death, and bore our sins in his own body on the tree to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. What an insult it is to God for you to offer to him some other payment for your transgressions. When Jesus Christ himself offered himself as the propitiation for your sins. Don't insult him. Verse 27. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him, what's that next word? Shall. What is that? That's future. That's tomorrow. Shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. So Jesus is what you need for your past. And Jesus is what you need for your present day. And he, there's a lot to say about that. And Jesus is who you need when you start thinking about tomorrow and then after death and eternity and the fact that he's coming back and the rapture's coming soon, how do you look at that concerning the Lord Jesus? Are you ready? Are you looking at him as being the Noah's Ark to save you from the wrath of God? See, I don't have to worry about the future. I got it taken care of in Jesus. You know why? Because I got the past taken care of. Right now, I'm just struggling with the day, the everyday stuff, day after day stuff. But I find him to be sufficient. I do, and I praise God for that. If you're here this morning and you want the Lord Jesus Christ to be your Savior, admit to him that you have sinned against him 
and you admit to him that you believe that he died for your sins and that God raised him from the dead the third day, that you might be saved. And now you need to call on him, trust him, call on him to be your Savior and your Lord. I'm going to ask you to uh, stand with me and let's end this service with a song. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. Hey, come on to the organ. I want you to play that organ with this song. Brother, come on up here. Let's sing Jesus paid it all. Let's sing all four stanzas, okay? Jesus paid it all. This is about what Jesus did and for our past. Now, I'm going to tell you something now. I'm going to encourage you. If you, if you if, I'm not trying to manipulate you. I don't do that kind of stuff. I despise it. You need to practice at home. If you can't do it in public, you need to practice at home of lifting your hands, your holy hands, up toward God. When you say amen to a truth, it's like saying amen to God, and it means something to Him. David even said, May the lifting up of my hands be as an evening sacrifice. It pleases God. May you not be ashamed of Him. Brother, come on.